Please open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8. And I'm going to read and preach verses 14 and 15 this evening as we continue in our series through the book of Romans. These particular verses are about adoption, as I mentioned earlier in the service, about our spiritual adoption into the family of God. Everyone in God's family is adopted. All of God's children are adopted children. And adoption and its privileges is certainly one of the greatest things about being a Christian. Being able to call the God of the universe Father. Having all the rights and privileges of sons of God. Living our lives as children of the living God. But sadly, we often forget these privileges and we often neglect these privileges. We neglect to use them and enjoy them, don't we? We allow other things to fill our minds and our hearts, our attention, our affection. We fall back into a kind of slavish fear of God at times, forgetting his fatherly goodness to us and our glorious reconciliation with him. And we forget or neglect our privileges as his beloved children. We neglect to use them. We neglect to enjoy them as his sons and daughters. But I trust that thinking about them together this evening will help us grow in both our awareness of our privileges as well as in our enjoyment of them as sons of God, as adopted children in the family of God. So let's pray and ask for God's help in that and then we'll begin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grace of adoption. We thank you that we can call you Father because your Son died on the cross for us and your Spirit regenerated our hearts and enabled us to believe in Jesus for salvation. And to all who received him, who believed in his name, you have given the right to become children of God. Help us to see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Lord, open our eyes more to the wonder of our adoption and to the privileges we can enjoy as your children. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 8, reading verses 14 and 15. These are the very words of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Apostle Paul's been talking about the fact that as believers, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God, and we are also empowered by the Spirit of God to put our sin to death. Now he begins this next segment of his train of thought by saying that we are led by the Spirit of God. In verse 13, he said, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
And now he says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In other words, all who are led by the Spirit of God in the sense that he's just described in verse 13, by the Spirit, putting to death the deeds of the body, all who are led by the Spirit of God in that way are sons of God. That is, they show themselves to be sons of God. They evidence themselves to be true believers. They show themselves to to be those who will live and not die, to use the language of verse 13. They show themselves to be sons of God. Not everyone who says they are a son of God is truly a son of God. It's those who are led by the Spirit of God who are sons of God. So then what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? And what does it mean to be a son of God? Let's think about those two things. Those are two things that are true of all believers, of all who have repented of their sin and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are led by the Spirit and we are sons of God. So first, we are led by the Spirit of God. What does that mean? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, leads us. That is, he guides us and directs us by his word. The Spirit rules us. The Spirit governs us. The Spirit empowers us. He teaches us and convicts us and points us to Jesus Christ. Those are all ways that we are led by the Spirit of God. That's part of what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. J.C. Ryle wrote about this phrase, led by the Spirit of God. They are led away from sin, away from self-righteousness, away from the world. They are led to Christ. They are led to the Bible. They are led to prayer. They are led to holiness. This is the beaten path along which the Spirit makes them to travel. So the Spirit of God leads us away from certain things, away from sin, away from self-righteousness, away from the world. And the Spirit of God leads us to Christ, to the Bible, to prayer, to holiness. We are led by the Spirit of God. And if you think about it, on the flip side, we are those who follow the Spirit of God. Not perfectly, of course, but by God's grace, perseveringly and willingly. We don't follow the Spirit like a prisoner follows his jailer with hands and feet in chains being dragged along, unwilling to follow but forced to follow. No, we follow the Spirit by God's grace like a little child follows her mother with a kind of humility and a willingness to follow, and with simple trust. As believers, we seek to follow the Spirit who leads us. We submit to His rule. We yield to His conviction. We rely on His power. We listen to His teaching, and we obey His word. Again, with much weakness and imperfection, but with faith and sincerity. As believers, we are led by the Spirit of God and we seek to follow the Spirit of God. We are no longer led by the world. We are no longer led by the flesh. We are no longer led by the devil. 
we are now led by the Spirit. And so we must follow the Spirit, not the world, the flesh, or the devil. We must not let the siren songs of the world lure us into sin. We must not let the sinful passions of our own flesh lead us into sin. We must not let the lies of Satan dupe us into sin. Rather, we must let the Spirit of God lead us, and we must follow his lead. And as we think about this, it's a good reminder that we can help each other in this, as fellow members of this church in particular. And if you're doing that already, keep it up. And if you're not, let this challenge you. Let's help each other to see where we're going wrong in this, where we're allowing ourselves to be led by the world. And let's encourage each other when we're doing well in this. Let's pray for each other and help each other to follow the lead of the Spirit by His Word. Together, let's follow the ways of the Lord, not the course of this world. Together, let's follow the Bible and not our hearts. Together, let's follow the Spirit and not our flesh. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Or later in Galatians 5, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Surely we could also say, if we are led by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit is our commanding officer. Let's keep in step with his marching orders. So as believers, we are those who are led by the Spirit of God. Secondly, though, as it says at the end of verse 14 there, we are sons of God. And of course, this is where we get into adoption, the doctrine of adoption. Now, let me try to clear up something briefly in case it's not already clear in your own mind. Sometimes the Bible says that we are sons of God, and that might feel a bit strange to you if you're not a male, if you're a female, if you're a girl, a woman, a daughter. So what's the deal with that? Well, sometimes the Bible says that we are sons of God, and sometimes it says that we are children of God, two different words. For example, here in verse 14 and in verse 15, you can notice it says that we are sons of God. But if you look in verse 16 and verse 17, it says there that we are children of God. Well, I think the preface to the ESV Bible translation has a helpful note on this. I'm sure many other English translations have a similar note. Listen to what it says very briefly in the preface to the ESV Bible. The English word sons, translating the Greek word huioi, is retained in specific instances because the underlying Greek term usually includes a male meaning component. And it was used as a legal term in the adoption and inheritance laws of first century Rome. As used by the Apostle Paul, this term refers to the status of all Christians, both men and women, who, having been adopted into God's family, now enjoy all the privileges 
obligations and inheritance rights of God's children. That's a good description. So if you're a believer, you are a son of God, even if you're female. Of course, you're still female. You're a daughter of God, too. You're a child of God as well. But when Paul says that we are all sons of God, he's making a connection to adoption and inheritance laws of the day that had to do with male children, sons, and the particular privileges and obligations and inheritance rights that sons had. And he's saying that all believers enjoy all the privileges, all the obligations, all the inheritance rights of sons. So if you're a female believer, certainly you are a daughter of God, but you are also a son of God in terms of the privileges and obligations and inheritance rights you have. We are all of us together sons of God in that sense. J.C. Ryle again said, to be son of the rich and noble in this world, to be son of the princes and kings of the earth, this is commonly reckoned a great temporal advantage and privilege. But to be a son of the king of kings and lord of lords, to be a son of the high and holy one who inhabiteth eternity, this is something far higher. And yet, This is the portion of every true Christian. So hopefully that clears that up in your mind. We are sons of God. We are adopted children of God. God is our heavenly Father. J.I. Packer wrote in his classic book, Knowing God, in his chapter on adoption, he said that adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel. The traitor is forgiven, brought in for supper, and given the family name. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. That's a good question. How much do you make of being God's child and having God as your father? How much do you make of that? I hope you make much of that, but surely we can all grow to make much more of that because by nature we are children of wrath, not children of God. But the Son of God incarnate bore the wrath of God that we deserve on the cross so that we could become children of God. When we repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven of our sins and given the righteousness of Christ, and we are adopted into the family of God. God becomes our Father through the work of His Son for us. We are sons of God and not sons of wrath because the Son of God bore the wrath of God in our place. And now we can call God Father. Now we are his children. Now we have all the rights, all the privileges of the children of God. So let's make much of that, much more of that than we do with God's help. 
Well, what are some of those rights and privileges? More specifically, well, there's a great summary of them in the Westminster Confession of Faith. I would encourage you to take out your hymnals and turn to the back of the hymnal, page 855, page 855 in the back, chapter 12 of the Westminster Confession of Faith of Adoption, page 855. Chapter 12, you'll notice when you get there, is just a single paragraph. It's a wonderful summary of what the Bible says about adoption on page 855, chapter 12. You can follow along as I read or just listen to this wonderful summary of scriptural teaching on adoption. All those that are justified, God vouchsafeth in and for his only son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God. Have his name put upon them. Receive the spirit of adoption. Have access to the throne of grace with boldness. Are enabled to cry, Abba, Father. Are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him as by a father yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption, and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. What tremendous blessings we have through the grace of adoption. We are taken into the number of the children of God, no longer children of wrath, but now children of God. We enjoy the liberties and privileges of children of God, which are infinitely greater infinitely greater than the so-called liberties and privileges of the children of the world. We have God's name put upon us. We are given the family name, as it were, a new name. We receive the spirit of adoption, which we're going to talk more about in just a minute. We have access to the throne of grace with boldness. We can go to God in prayer anytime, anywhere. And know that he will give us mercy and grace to help in time of need. We are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, which again we're going to talk about in just a minute. We are pitied by God, protected by God, provided for by God. We are even chastened or disciplined by God, which is an evidence of his love for us as his children. But as it says, we are never cast off, but are sealed to the day of redemption. And what assurance and what confidence That gives to us. We inherit the promises and are heirs of everlasting salvation. And all of that because we are children of God by grace through faith in Christ. You can put your hymnals away. Some of the most wonderful passages in all the Bible are about our adoption into God's family. Let me show you four briefly. I would encourage you to turn to them if you have a Bible in front of you. Turn to Romans 9, Romans chapter 9, verses 25 and 26. Four passages we're going to look at just very briefly here. Romans 9, 25 and 26. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, 
There they will be called sons of the living God. We were not beloved. We were not the people of God. But because of Christ, because of the gospel, we are now called beloved. We are now called my people. We are now called sons of the living God. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 1. The book of Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at verses 3 through 6. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, starting at verse 3, down through verse 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And in love, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. Yes, we've been predestined to salvation. But specifically here, we've been predestined to adoption. Turn back to Galatians Chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, down through verse 7. This is a famous passage on adoption. It's actually very similar to our verses in Romans 8. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So God the Father sent forth his son to redeem us and to make us his sons. God sent forth his son so that we might receive adoption as sons. And we have the spirit of his son in our hearts. We've been thinking about that from Romans 8. The spirit of God indwells us. We are no longer slaves. We are sons and we are heirs through God. One more. Turn ahead to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Verses 1 and 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, 
we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. How deep the Father's love for us, the hymn goes. Amazing love, how can it be, we sing, that we should be called children of God. That we who were traitors, as Packer put it, should be brought in for supper and given the family name. That we who were God's enemies should be called God's sons. And so we are. And what we will be will be even greater. Because when he appears, we will be like him. Because when he appears, we will see him as he is. Wonderful passages of scripture on adoption. Passages I would encourage you to meditate on, perhaps during private worship this coming week. Those four wonderful passages passages on adoption well adoption is too good to just mention and move on from so Paul expands on it in the next verse verse 15 on more of what it means that we are sons of God so let's take just a few minutes on this before we draw to a close this evening look at verse 15 for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. First, negatively, he says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He's talking about when we were converted, for you did not receive, that is, when you were converted, the spirit of slavery. So all believers receive the spirit at conversion, not some, but all. God doesn't take anyone into his family without first putting his spirit within them. But what kind of spirit did we receive, all of us, at conversion? Not the spirit of slavery, Paul says. Now, it's a bit hard to know exactly what he's referring to here, but it's probably a way of saying that we did not receive the spirit that is the mindset of, or the frame of mind of slavery, sort of like we might say the, 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 uh, uh, the spirit of the age. It just means the mindset or the perspective or the frame of mind of the age. We did not receive the spirit, the mindset of slavery. That is a kind of slavish fear of God. The spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, Paul says. Not a godly fear of God, but a slavish fear of God. Viewing God as a harsh taskmaster instead of a generous father, which is a lie as old as Eden. So he's saying negatively, that's not what happened when you were converted. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Then he says positively, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption as sons is the Holy Spirit. And he's called the spirit of adoption not because he is the one who adopts us, that is naturally the act of God the Father, Rather, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of adoption because he is the one who enables us to cry, Abba, Father. 
He is the one who enables us to relate to God as our heavenly father. We have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And this expression, Abba, Father, at once conveys both the intimacy and the reverence that should characterize our relationship with God. It's like what the shorter catechism says about the phrase, our Father in the Lord's Prayer. Number 100 in the catechism, what doth the preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us? The preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is our Father, which art in heaven, teacheth us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence as children to a father able and ready to help us and that we should pray with and for others. God is our father and so we should draw near to him with reverence and with confidence as children should do to their heavenly father or their earthly father rather. Respecting their earthly father and his God-given responsibility of authority over them and also trusting him as one who is ready and willing to help them. We should have a kind of reverence of God that makes us not distant from God, but makes us draw near to God. And we should have an intimacy with God that never loses sight of the fact that he is God. We can call the God of the universe Father, but we should do so remembering that he's the God of the universe. Well, two things more here by way of application briefly as we draw to a close this evening. Two more things. One, one implication of all this is that in a very real sense, the Spirit changes how we feel about God. The Spirit changes how we feel around God, if you will. How we feel in His presence. Not to overemphasize our feelings, which of course can be dangerous, but also not to overlook our feelings, which can be just as dangerous. We don't have a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We have the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. As believers in Jesus Christ and children of the living God, we no longer have to be afraid around God or on edge or restless or uncomfortable We no longer have to think about God the way we might think of a police car that pulls into the lane behind us while we're driving, but its lights aren't on just yet. We no longer have to walk on eggshells around God. Or like a mouse trying to get the cheese, but knowing that the trap could spring at any moment. No. Now that our sins have been atoned for, and now that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, there is peace in our relationship with God. There is rest 
in our relationship with God. There is joy in our relationship with God. There's confidence and assurance. There's godly fear and holy reverence. We are at ease. We are at rest. We are at peace in his presence. So I'd encourage you to ask yourself, how do I feel about God? How do I feel in his presence? Do you feel uncomfortable? I don't mean if you've sinned and you haven't repented yet. Certainly, if you have unconfessed sin, you should feel uncomfortable in God's presence until you confess your sin to God and receive his forgiveness and his cleansing. I'm not talking about that, though. I'm talking about how do you normally feel? How do you typically feel about God? Make sure that you don't have a spirit of slavery. Make sure you don't fall back into fear. Remember that you have the spirit of adoption in you, and he enables you to cry, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave of sin. You are a son of God. You're no longer in the courtroom with God as your judge, striking the gavel. You're in the family room with God as your father, smiling upon you. So make sure there's peace and rest and joy in your relationship with God and confidence and assurance and godly fear, holy reverence. Because you have the spirit of adoption in your heart as a believer, be at ease, be at rest, be at peace in his presence. Second and finally, Use and enjoy the privilege of adoption. As I said at the beginning, adoption and its privileges is one of the greatest things about being a Christian. Being able to call the God of the universe Father, having all the rights and privileges of sons of God, living our lives as children of the living God. But sadly, we often forget these privileges. We often neglect to use them and to enjoy them. But these verses this evening can serve as a reminder to us, not only of what some of those privileges are, but also they can remind us to use them, to enjoy them every day. So since God is your father, call on God as your father every day throughout the day. Every time you call God Father, you make use of your status as his adopted child. Make use of the access you have to the throne room of God Almighty. Draw near to your heavenly Father. Receive his chastening and discipline with humility and teachability. Don't be afraid of God. Revere God. Rely on him to provide for you instead of being anxious. Trust in him as your wise heavenly father instead of being worried. Enjoy his presence and his promises. Don't forget your adoption. Don't neglect the privileges 
of adoption. Use them and enjoy them. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And so let us be, and so let us live as children of God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for adopting us into your family by grace through faith in Christ. We thank you for all the rights and privileges we have as your children. Help us to use them and to enjoy them and to live as your children more and more each day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.